0: Welcome to Amplify Your Process Safety, the podcast that provides the experience and expertise you need when it comes to process safety and risk management. Our hands-on approach will give you the insight needed, whether you're new to industry or process safety, in a role where you interact with aspects of process safety, or an experienced process safety professional. Join us in our mission to protect people, the companies they work for, and the communities where they operate by making process safety knowledge available to all. Hello podcast listeners, this is Rob Bartlett and welcome to the Amplify Your Process Safety podcast. I am joined today by Joe Ransom.
1: Hey everyone.
0: Joe is back to do another Back to Basics episode. Joe, what are we going to talk about today?
1: Yes. So we are doing part six of Back to Basics. Today part we're talking about Part six. Yes, Man, part these, six. These, Make sure you check these, out the other five.
0: So there's more content that that, that our, our our listeners can go and listen to, huh?
1: Yes, there is more beginner level content, beginner-friendly content. So today we're talking about mechanical integrity or MI. And we asked and you voted on this. So we didn't have a poll on LinkedIn previously. We said What other back-to-basics topics are you interested in learning more about when we do this mini-series? And 64% of you wanted this topic, so you asked for it, and here it is. (laughs) Um,
0: 64%, that's a big number for yeah. one for one particular part of the uh, codes so we're going to do so we're going to do mechanical integrity so why don't we start off joe so if if i start talking about mechanical integrity it's it'll be very difficult to keep this you know kind of like short and beginner friendly you know as you said earlier so maybe you should kind of lead us through what are the requirements for mechanical integrity in the psm standard
1: Yes, definitely. So just to give you a little taste of what we'll be doing today, like Rob said, we'll tell you about what the standard says, talk about how MI for a plant is kind of like maintenance for a car. We'll talk about where you can start when you're tackling the development of your MI program, just from a really, really basic level. And then we'll give you a resource. Uh, and point you to some other episodes of ours where you can learn a little bit more if you're interested. So that being said, we'll just jump right in. So the PSM standard says that mechanical integrity applies, and these requirements that we'll be going through, they apply to this type of equipment. So pressure vessels and storage tanks, piping systems, which includes piping components like valves. It also should apply to relief and vent systems and devices, emergency shutdown systems controls so that's going to be your monitoring devices and sensors alarms interlocks and pumps so <laughs> that's so, a lot. so that
0: so that's a lot and actually that list is is probably a little bit small i know that's what's actually in the code but if you look in in uh in guidance documents and and uh, you know that that list you you could get and some of it is just getting a little bit more into more depth into each of those. But essentially, what this is saying is if you have a process, pretty much all the equipment related to that process is going to be covered and needs to be part of your MI program, right?
1: Definitely. Mm -hmm. And so, the second requirement is that you do have to have written procedures for your MI program. So, you do have to have it written down somewhere. It can't just be
0: in your maintenance department
1: heads like yeah. <laughs> But yeah. John
0: the mechanic knows how to he knows how to do a PM on that pump. What why do I have to write it down?
1: You have to uh, according to the PSM standard. <laughs> <laughs>
0: because that's what the standard says. Okay. Yeah,
1: definitely. Um and kind of as part of that, you want to have those written procedures. You also need to have training given to anyone who's going to be participating in maintenance activities. So that makes good sense, right? They need to receive an overview of the process and its hazards, and any uh, and training in any procedures that are going to be applicable to their job tasks. Um, so that's just to you know ensure that they're able to perform any MI activities that they'll be taking part in in a safe manner.
0: And you're not going to send somebody who doesn't know what they're doing out to, you know, to, to fix, uh, you know, a pump that's that's broken in the plant or whatever. You know, you've got to have written procedures and you need to train your people on that. And actually, uh, what uh, a key piece of that that is often overlooked when we go into facilities to do audits and such is – the maintenance personnel need to have two things. The maintenance personnel need to have the overview, the training, and an overview of the processes and hazards, which you which you uh, mentioned, Joe. And then the other piece of that is, if you have people who are not really part of your maintenance crew, but they are doing maintenance activities, they need to be trained on those written procedures that we wrote before. Yes. Definitely.
1: All right. So then the fourth requirement or the fourth part of this element deals with inspection and testing. So it basically says you've got to do inspections and tests um, on all of that equipment that we listed before. And the procedures for these inspections and tests do need to follow Ragagap, which is recognized and generally accepted good engineering practices. That sounds pretty abstract, but we've got other episodes that talk about Ragagap that we'll talk about at the end. But basically it just means that you need to be following industry standards. You can't just decide <laughs> that you're going to test something at a frequency just because it's convenient for you or you're you don't feel like you have the time to get to it. You do need to be following some sort of of standard something that the industry recognizes as the correct frequency and method for for inspecting and testing your equipment. And and that actually Deals with the frequency as well. So both the procedures and frequency do need to to follow RAGA GAP, and should also be consistent with anything that you've learned from prior operating experience. So I'll let you elaborate there if you like, Rob.
0: Well, I mean, really, you've got to have some sort of basis for how you are maintaining your equipment, and that basis. Needs to comply with RAGA GAP, as you said, recognized and generally accepted good engineering practices. Another one of our acronyms uh, in in the PSM world. And you need to have you need to have a basis for that. Many times the basis for that, as you say, Joe, are standards, are consensus standards. Sometimes they're the manufacturer's recommendations. In some cases, in some large companies, it might be internal industry, internal internally developed standards. But you can't base it on the fact of what's convenient for you or or. <laughs> Or whatever. I mean, there needs to be a basis for it, and operating actually operating conditions are important as well. Um, if you know that a pump, you know, breaks down every quarter, even though the manufacturer may say it should be inspected every year, well, you should be basing your frequency on that qu- on on the quarter, on your actual process, on your experience, versus what the manufacturers say.
1: Perfect. As part of that, you do need to document all of your inspections and tests. So, uh, the standard does say that the documentation needs to list the date, the name of the person who performed the inspection or test. It's got to have the serial number or other identifier, like a tag number or something um, of the equipment, so that you know what piece of equipment the test was performed on. It does need to have a description of the inspection or test performed, and then, of course, the results. So, all of that does need to be documented basically you you need to have proof you need to have proof of what was performed and who did it when and and you know what the results were it's just proof that it's been done and it was done correctly
0: and and yeah. something let me let me just jump in there for a second, Joe, because yeah. one of the things that I see a lot is if you have testing and inspections done by external people, by consultants, contractors, generally you get a report, and generally, it probably is going to meet those requirements. Where people fall down a lot is internal inspections that are done often aren't adequately documented. So if you have a if you're in a plant where you have internal people who are doing inspections, make sure that you're complying with that with that documentation requirement.
1: Definitely. Um, and a CMMS system which we'll talk about in a minute can definitely help you with the documentation aspect of this requirement. So next, Part of the PSM standard in regards to mechanical integrity deals with equipment deficiencies. Um, So basically just says you need to correct deficiencies in your equipment that are outside of the acceptable limits, either before it's used again or, you know, as safe and timely as, as possible, just to ensure that you're able to continue running your process safely.
0: What we've got it. We if we find problems, we have to correct them. Come on, I thought we could just keep just keep operating. Uh, you'd be surprised how many times <laughs> I've seen like, oh yeah, we knew that had to be fixed. Like, for sure, it's, it? Yeah. Um,
1: what
0: so what? What I want to throw in there um, as just a, a little bit of commentary is that if you have a if you have a deficiency, you know, you get a uh, an inspection report, um, and there is a deficiency, you need to have some sort of a process in place to review the deficiency. Is it safety critical? Um, is there an increased safety risk here, here by due to whatever that deficiency is? Many times, yes. Sometimes, no. Sometimes, it's like, okay, this is just kind of a warning sign. You know, it's not we're we're getting close to needing to do something, but we're not quite there yet. Uh, but if you are where your safety has been deteriorated because of this deficiency, you should have an moc to put in place to manage from today to when you actually can can get it fixed so we know that there's a problem how are we going to make sure that we're still op- that we're going to continue to operate safely until we can get it fixed because sometimes you can't get it fixed right away you got to get parts you, maybe engineering whatever you still you can't just continue operating uh, with that deficiency and say oh we're going to get to it um you, you should be using the MOC <laughs> process to, to to make sure you have something in place you, you know it's it's easy to laugh at that but that i see i i, I do see that fairly often where it's like, oh, well, we know that's an issue and we're going to deal with it. But, you know, we haven't yet. It's like, okay, that's fine. But you need to have something in place to make sure, you know, basically kind of like as a replacement for whatever that was that has the deficiency.
1: Yes, agreed. Um, And I think that this part is included in the standard because like (laughs) like we laughed about, it, it makes good sense. But uh, it's just explicitly saying that you do need to do something about the results of your inspections or tests. It's not enough to just have a document of what they were. You do need to, to correct stuff uh, that you're aware of. All right. So the next part of the standard deals with quality assurance. So I'm going to read the requirements actually. And so it's, so part A of this says in the construction of new plants and equipment, the employer shall assure that equipment as it is fabricated is suitable for the process application for which they will be used. So basically you need to have vessels that are made out of the correct equipment for whatever temperature or pressure or materials you'll be sending through them, which I feel like makes good sense. (laughs) Also, you've got to part B says appropriate checks and inspections shall be performed to assure that equipment is installed properly and consistent with design specifications and the manufacturer's instructions. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this uh, would be satisfied during like your PSSR Um, where you're checking to make sure what you intended to construct or change was actually done correctly into the specifications that you needed. Also makes good sense, right?
0: (laughs) Most of this does.
1: Yep. And then uh, the third part of this quality assurance piece says, the employer shall assure that maintenance materials, spare parts, and equipment are suitable for the process application for which they will be used. So this kind of goes with the first part. You can't start off with really good stuff and then sub it out with, parts that are not going to be suitable for for your process later on. Um, Again, makes really good sense. And then, of course, anytime it's not a replacement in kind, you'll have to go through the whole MOC process um, as well.
0: We're not going to get into MOCs today, are we? Nope.
1: (laughs) No. And just a note here in regard to uh, quality assurance, we do have an episode about quality assurance and quality control that definitely delves into this more and what that really means. So we invite you to go listen to that. That was released in December, I believe, of 2020. So go check that out if you want to learn more about quality assurance. So now we're going to talk about how is MI for a plant like maintenance for a car? How are those things even remotely related?
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, I, I guess that when I when I when I think about maintenance and I think about mechanical integrity, it's easy to get um, inundated with with the complexity of everything because there's so much there and there's so many requirements and all that. But if we break it all down, as is often the case, right, we break it down. It's really just a collection of, of a lot of small. Things uh, and if we look at our at our car, it's kind of the same. It's kind of the same. You know, it's the same sort of a situation. So how is how is maintenance for a plant similar to a car? Really, number one is you're going to have a different maintenance schedule for a new car versus an older car. If you have a new car, then there's then you may be able to go fifty thousand miles without checking. I don't know the, the, the transmission fluid. Uh, I'm not a car, I'm not really a car guy. So I, so I lose it a little bit in knowing that stuff, but the, the idea is the same, right? But if you have a, a car with 150,000 miles on it, you may want to be checking those fluids or whatever more frequently. So it's the same thing with a plant. You know, if you, if you have a new plant, well, your maintenance program might be fairly, fairly, fairly easy, I guess, or certainly easier. Whereas if you have an older plant, that's not gonna be the case. It may be a good example for a plant is if you have material, if you have a material for construction issue such that there's corrosion that ha- happens through the lifetime of your plant. Uh, let's just say that you have a pressure vessel that has that that corrodes over you know over time. Well, early on, you may only have to test that, let's say, the thickness of your vessel every 10 years or every five years. But as you keep moving, as time goes by, you know, and, and corro- the corrosion starts to occur, well, at some point, you're going to get to the point where that frequency period is going to be too long. So in other words, if I wait another five years, I may actually corrode through or get get below my minimum thickness for the vessel. Whereas before, you had a longer period between a longer frequency between when you had to do those thickness tests you know, after a certain point, you're going to have to do that more frequently because you want to make sure you don't get below the minimum of thickness. So again, new versus old, there are differences, you know, just like a car, right? When you get your new car, you have a maintenance schedule and it specifies all, all of these things. When you get new equipment, either the manufacturer has inspections and tests and preventive maintenance and, and frequencies and all that, or codes have them. And the important thing is that you need to get, that information into whatever systems that you're using to to manage your to manage your program. And the last thing, piece of of I think the way that, you know, MI programs are like or like cars is that it really helps if you have a an experienced and knowledgeable mechanic. So for your new car, you're probably not going to bring that to some new mechanic who just got out of mechanic school and doesn't have any super any 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 experience with your type of car same thing in 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 the in the PSM world we want to have experienced maintenance technicians who are who who know what they're dealing with who who have experience and can you know can safely maintain your equipment So yeah, so I mean, you know, basically it's it's not it's not rocket science, like I said. I mean, it's very easy to get overwhelmed, but really this is just a lot of little things done right. And that's where, you know, the devil is in the details. And that's why, I mean, mechanical integrity is the most cited element within PSM and RMP. And that's really the reason why, is because it's very hard to do it's very hard to do well. So, you know, this is a back to basics podcast. I don't want to get into too many details here. But you may ask yourself like, well, where, you know, where would we start for something like this? And really it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a few things. Like the first thing is you got to know what is your covered equipment, right? So what's the list of equipment that you, that you need to have included in your MI program? Well... Joe, the list that you said before listed what that equipment should be, right? So, so what, what, what that you have falls under those categories, that's going to be in your, in your uh, inventory list. Determine the criticalities. What, you know, what, what are the critical pieces of equipment? Determine the frequencies. Again, some of this comes from what are the codes? Um, What are the, um, what are the standards that are involved here? What do we need to do and how often do we do them? And, you know, again this is supposed to be a back to basics podcast so the, the last thing that i'll that i'll kind of throw out there is that this is all easier to do if you have a computerized maintenance management system a cmms joe i think joe mentioned that earlier if you are not using a cmms for your process you probably the odds of you doing this correctly are are low and the odds of at some point having some sort of a significant incident are higher Uh, because it's very, it's difficult to manage, um, you know, whether it's using Excel. I mean, I've seen people using lists, using index cards, all whiteboards, (laughs) all sorts of stuff.
1: Yeah. It just kind of takes some of the, just some of the pressure off of humans. You know, these systems are set up to spit out um, at whatever frequency you designate, if that's calendar based, you know, I want this, work order every three months, or or whether it's um, based on runtime, um, so more like meter based. And so that definitely helps, you know, you don't have to rely on someone to remember, um, or you don't have to worry if something gets um, erased on your whiteboard or in your Excel sheet. And it certainly does help ha- with having written procedures, um, as well as documentation that's necessary when you do inspections and tests certainly can also help you track within your organization, you know, how are we doing with mechanical integrity? You can track things like how many work orders are actually getting done, how many are staying overdue. This can also help with that criticality piece that Rob mentioned. These systems many times allow you to differentiate criticalities either through the priority of the work order or the criticality assigned to each piece of equipment. And that can help you make good decisions or better decisions, more informed decisions uh, when you do have to choose between, all right, well, I've got, you know, only a set amount of time today, which work orders should take priority. So we definitely recommend a CMMS system just to help you comply with MI because it is just a very complex requirement with so many pieces we do not um have our own CMMS system we do get asked that sometimes has anyone ever asked you that rob i've been asked a few times
0: no i'm i've, I've been asked for for uh, recommendations but i've I've, yes. I've never asked whether we have one there there are <laughs> there, there are plenty of uh, of good options out there but both both options for uh, smaller, you know, small to medium sized facilities that don't have, you know, that, that kind of are on the lower end of the complexity scale, all the way up to, you know, those those systems that are really for multiple facility companies that are, you know, complex and all. So there, there's plenty out there. There's no need for us to get into that space. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> for sure. But like Rob said, we are uh, happy to talk with you about it if if you're interested. Um, Absolutely. And, and one of the services that we do actually provide is that we can help you get started with these or help you run them, help you choose which platform is best for you. So we are familiar with a bunch of different platforms.
0: We do get heavily involved, that's for sure.
1: Yes, (laughs) we are. So a good resource we want to point you to now, if you're interested in doing a deeper dive, we love CCPS Books. They've got one on asset integrity management. Rob knows way more about it because he was actually one of the, I guess, were you called like a peer reviewer?
0: A peer reviewer, peer reader, whatever.
1: Okay, yeah. So maybe you can just give us some idea of what we might find in that book.
0: Yeah. So when, when we look at when we look at mechanical integrity, it's real easy to get overwhelmed with what what codes am I supposed to be using and what are my frequencies and what's my covered my covered equipment and all that. CCPS did a great job with this book. It, it guides you through the sorts of equipment that you have that you need for that type those types of equipment what are the codes that that you need to take a look at and it's it also breaks down the inspection testing and preventive maintenance requirements at different parts of the life cycle and gets into frequencies and all that so it's it's really it in my in my opinion it's kind of the bible for this sort of thing um and if you're (laughs) at all interested in in mi or or what your facility should be doing you got to buy it so And I don't believe, I I don't, I don't believe we get any affiliate marketing for doing that.
1: No, we don't. We're just good, good people.
0: (laughs) We're just good people want to get the information out there.
1: Definitely. So that is MI in a nutshell. Uh, Like we said, that is just what the standard says. That's just a really quick overview. We've got other episodes dedicated to MI that uh, Wesley and Rob did in the past that you can definitely listen to if you're interested and prepared now to learn a little bit more. Of course, if you're joining us and this was just the right complexity level for you because this is a Back to Basics episode. We do invite you to check out our other Back to Basics episodes um, on acronyms, open source resources, PHAs, um, MOCs, and then of course our even more acronyms uh, that we did release before this episode. You can find us on any platform that you like and uh, we do invite you to reach out and connect with us. We love hearing what you think we always take episode suggestions or we'll try to answer any questions that you have related to this episode or, or future topics. So yeah, please reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, we're also active on LinkedIn, or if you like, you can email us at podcast at amplifyconsultants.com.
0: All right. Well, good episode. Thank you to all of you podcast listeners out there we do appreciate it i'll echo joe's joe's thanks and um, her I- invitation to reach out i do like hearing when people uh say that they listen to the podcast or they they got something particular out of one of our podcasts so helps us to ke- helps keep us motivated put out good content for you and until next time this is rob
1: this is joe
0: Bye. bye bye take care